Now for a show by a brother and sister who are polar opposites, but who both found a calling running solo businesses. This is the Unfederated Podcast. Hey, bro. Hey, Sarah. How's it going? Just real good. Just yeah. real good. <laughs> yeah. How are you feeling these days? Um, I'm pregnant with a toddler. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Uh, like she's in there, um, scribbling with crayons and like on the walls. Yeah. Counting and doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah. It's absurd. Um, so not great. Like it's a hard time to, to work cause you can't really commit to anything. I didn't appreciate that. The, the huge window of time where you can't commit to anything. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a new experience for me. How about you? How are you? Everything's really settled in your life. Oh, oh yeah. I'm super greasy is that actually how I yeah. describe myself. Um, I was going to say, are you feeling clean? And then I was like, that's a, that's <laughs> weird without context. Yeah. Um, randomly, we woke up this morning and I had a voicemail from the water company uh, letting me, uh, along with 40,000 of my fellow Chattanoogans, know that uh, we have no water. Uh, okay, so it's not just you. I thought it was another ooh, thing the inspector broke. No, 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 no. Okay. It's like half of downtown. Like all the restaurants Jeez. we go to are closed, and like they close school. The whole like uh, university in Chattanooga is like they're bringing it. They're bringing in porta bodies <laughs> for the dorms. Oh my gosh, that's so gross because those are such adolescent people who need frequent showers. Yeah, oh. yeah. It's it's uh it's it's a real weird situation. Uh, neighboring cities have sent their uh, you know water company employees to help aid uh, Chattanooga. <laughs> so it's it's just bonkers. So uh, we've had no water today, and we went and got some like uh, you know a gallons of water at the grocery store, and we got there like, wasn't like a run on them. Oh, yeah. totally. We got like oh, the yeah. last six that was oh, my gosh. just left. Um, so anyways, it's been so a you're rationing and now you're just, you know, because you're such a germaphobe, um, when your dishwasher broke recently on the phone and you talked about having to wash dishes in the sink, you said it's like rinsing them in pond water. So you bring that up, but I honestly swear yesterday was like, I thought the dishwasher was bad for my germaphobia. This is like, no, this is this morning, of course, because we didn't know the water was broken. But it was this morning. I was like, not having water is so much more, you know, more difficult. And then we got in a debate, my wife and I, about whether we'd rather have not uh, not have electricity or not have water. And, uh, <laughs> and so I, I chose, I'd, I'd much rather not have electricity than water, so... Okay. Yeah. Well, you might actually be rinsing your dishes in pond water yeah. soon. Uh-huh. Get this MacGyver move I pulled. Um, so I we we had an old dehumidifier in the basement that um, it was like, you know, tucked away underneath the stairs. And um, I went and got it out and plugged it in to start dehumidifying our house just to get water <laughs> so that we could... We could use it and put it in like toilets so that we have extra flushes and stuff, you know? Oh my gosh. So you're really hacking this. Yeah. I was like really proud of my Oregon Trail uh, skills there. So Yeah. They had a lot of electric dehumidifiers. <laughs> it's a modern Ooh. day Oregon yeah. Trail. All right. All right. Survivalist. Yeah. Deep that's right. I'm a, yeah. 
<laughs> I'm going to wait until you start actually drinking out of the water that's in the back of the toilet before. Oh, I... no. Never. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll just collapse. It'll be yeah, fine. that's true. If anybody would, you'll be the first to go. <laughs> um, all right. Well, so think, chaos reigns in both that's of right. our lives, it appears. That is right. Um, yours somehow a little bit more than mine. <laughs> yeah, yours is coming. Although, yours is coming though. The term water breaking applies with equal accuracy <laughs> to both of our situations. Uh huh. Touche. Uh huh. Uh huh. So, um, this week we were going to talk to a guest that I was really excited to hear your you question and answer. Yeah, you sound really excited. Um, uh, yeah, so a friend of ours, of my wife and I's, um, uh, Amy Walters, uh, got to sit down and chat with her um, a couple of days ago and wanted to share that interview. I uh, wanted to talk to Amy because, one, she's awesome, and uh, two, she kind of... You kinda, were going to say B. <laughs> one, she's awesome, and B. Too. Well, okay. So I do this thing all the way back from, from college I remember. <laughs> where there's, there was this guy that was really obnoxious. He was one of the tryhards that always wanted to talk a lot in class. And he would confuse his like A's and ones and Roman numeral twos. And he always had a two part question and then never lined. And so I've gotten in such a bad habit of doing that, that I do it now in- instinctively. Um, I do that with the saying, it's so weird how like things you do as a joke can become things you do really. And then you're just a person who does them and it's not ironic. I do that with crossing your T's and dotting your lowercase J's. Uh, I, I also do it with, uh, he's not a rocket surgeon. <laughs> I, I don't even yeah. know what that's from. Like I got that from somewhere and now yeah. I just, you know. Uh, we're awful. We're so annoying. Yeah. Gosh. Well, I, well I'm hopeful that Amy Walters is less annoying for yes. our listeners. <laughs> so A, she's awesome. And two, she um she does a whole bunch of different things. Like like we've always you are an attorney. I do digital marketing. We've often talked about the value of just doing like specializing and finding a niche and writing it out. But Amy, like, uh, she's a graphic designer. She's a photographer. She teaches spin classes. She teaches, or she sells like some skincare stuff. She like, she has like 16 like things that, that come together to make up her, um, her freelancing world. And so I thought it'd be fun to talk to someone kind of on the way other end of the spectrum of you and I, of kind of the the pros and cons or challenges of of doing that for folks that just have a real diverse um, talent set. I like that a lot because we do always preach and, and everybody. That's a common thing. Like stay in your lane, create a niche or a niche. You know, like be really highly specialized and you'll be sought after. But there's something to be said and really alluring about all of the different things you just described. So I'm really, and a whole bunch of things I've never considered. Like I can't imagine that you can use the same uh, bookkeeping software to record your income from all of those variety of sources. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah. Like there's, yeah, there's a lot of wrinkles all of a sudden when you, when you really come to think about it and from like a, um, you know, creative side to like, I mean, you know, like doing her creative business, her photography, her graphic design all the way to like, you know, more of her service based, you know, um, uh, spin instructor kind of stuff. Yeah. Just kind of all over the map. So, um, I thought it was a really fun conversation and I think our listeners will too. And so, um, we'll, we'll, uh, let Amy take it away. 
Amy Walters, welcome to Unfederated. Hey, thanks, Rob. How's it going? It's going well. It's, you know, just living the dream. I like it. That, that <laughs> unfederated life. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I was trying to think before the show, we have known each other. I, I, I'm terrible at this, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking like six years. Yes, I think you're right. Okay. And we met through my wife. You guys worked your jobby jobs together um, before your each of your respective current careers. And um, why don't you um, kind of if you don't mind, kind of unpack a little bit about what you, what led you, uh, to being the free, uh, freelance role, like what jobs you had before Perfect. deciding to take the plunge. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So I, I guess going back, honestly, I, I kind of think my career started in college. I mean, I remember, um, starting to kind of take clients and kind of have the freelance mentality while I was still in school. Um, I originally was a broadcast journalism major, which is funny. Um, I did not know that. Yeah, I was actually broadcast journalism until I was a junior, um, if you can believe it or not. But then I I did an internship and you know how it goes. You get that real world experience and then you start to kind of like your eyes start to open a little bit more and you're like, wait, I guess I won't graduate and just be like a famous TV anchor. Like I'll really have to work from the ground up. So anyways, it it wasn't until um, I really saw I didn't necessarily want to go into broadcast that I brought in my communications degree into media production, and then I added an associates in graphic design. So once I started the graphic design work and I started expanding my tool belt into more like photography and um, kind of like very easy to translate freelance skills, I was like, shoot, I mean, I could start getting clients now. So that's kind of when it started. And then, um, but you know, in college, of course, I was charging practically nothing. I was just like, oh, okay, do it for the portfolio. So um my first job out of college was with your beloved wife, Rachel. Um, she and I worked at a custom publishing firm where I designed magazines and it was just, you know, cubicle life. It was, it was what it was, but I, I remember just being so grateful for the experience I gained because it really helped me be a much more technical, I would say designer. I mean, I came out of school with, you know, only a, a two year degree essentially. And, um, with graphic design. And then I had the more broad communications experience. And so that really, I think helped bring me up to speed to probably where like a four year designer was and beyond. And so that was a really great first job for me. I knew I didn't want to be in it forever, but, um, I think the thing I struggled with most at that job was that it, it really only allowed me to exercise graphic design. I mean, I was very much, I had to stay in my lane. I mean, you didn't have much wiggle room. Um, I was designing anywhere from, you know, seven to 13 publications at any given day, even. I mean, you would touch so many different books and so many different projects, but it was just for graphic design. So, um, yeah, that was the first job. And then from there, I was offered a job at um, the girl, the all girls prep school here in town. And I was really excited about it because it was a more all-encompassing creative role. It wasn't just going to be design. They needed someone that could do photography. They needed someone that could dabble in video. They needed someone who wanted to, you know, get their hands on social media. All of these creative kind of like marketing and communications uh, avenues. And so that was the role I went into. And that was by far the most growing role for me. I was there for almost four years. Um, and I had just, I, I was able to exercise all of my passions and not just one. And it really kind of set me up for success 
as a you know business owner now because I I treated like all the different departments on campus like all my clients you know and I was able to really um, meet them where they were, decide what was best for them, whether it be, okay, I think we just need to like throw, like throw you guys on social media more or no, you guys really need more like promotional materials. We need to like build your own brand within the music department or the athletic department or whatever it was. Um, so I was able to kind of figure out different scopes for all these different little niches on campus. Um, so that was really fun. I mean, I had such a supportive creative team and I was able to not only, um, kind of exercise all these passions, but I was also able to bring in freelancers under me, which helps for what I'm doing now, of course, because there are times when it, when it rains and it pours and you got to kind of bring in other people to lighten the load. So that really helped kind of give me the experience of creative direction and, um, having people work under me and kind of knowing what to look for, for the right things. And, um, yeah. So, and then it was from there, I went to the all boys school because they kind of saw what I was doing at the all girls school and wanted the the, the mirror over at the boys' school. So I did that for about nine months and kind of revamped their admission strategy and did all these different um, kind of onboarding, gave them all these new onboarding tools and helped them through their uh, revamp of their website. And it really just struck me that it felt like it was time for me to go out on my own. I mean, I was like, man, I feel like I'm doing what I could be doing for myself for someone else. And, you know, it was like, I really felt like I was gaining all these transition transitional experiences that I was like, okay, I could just be applying these to my own business. And, um, you know, and, and I was the whole time I was working and all these, you know, quote unquote corporate jobs, I was still taking freelance clients. So it really never stopped from about college until last October when I went out on my own that, um, I was kind of just trying to keep the side hustle alive because I knew I wanted it to be the lead hustle eventually. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that, um, I think we see a lot with freelancers is w when they leave their jobby job, there's a transition as far as managing, um, managing clients. And so like, I know with the publishing company, you know, my wife was in the client, you know, the account manager kind of department. So as far as a designer, you had, you had people in between you and the client often, kind of working that, but at the schools, you mentioned each department was kind of its own client that, that changed a bit and you were working more directly with, you know, your, your end customer. How has that evolution been over, over those steps and now, you know, doing it more or less, um, you know, unfettered as far as your, your communications with clients? Right. Oh, I mean, it was critical experience. I would never have been able to go from my, you know, the point in my career at the custom publishing firm to what I'm doing today without the experience that the schools gave me. Um, it was, you know, I went from just being a tasker and a doer and a yes man and getting it done and doing it well to being on the ground level of being in on the strategy and the, you know, really having to zoom out and look down at that 30,000 level, you know, and, and be able to see, okay, start to finish, you're asking for this, but as the expert, you know, what, what is it actually that I need to be recommending or what could I provide that maybe would even be a better fit or how can we take what you're wanting, but then also expound upon it to make it more effective for where you're wanting to go. So, I mean, all of that thinking really didn't come into play as far as I think it was in me, you know, I think I've always kind of been a natural born leader and a critical thinker. I mean, I definitely have driven bosses nuts and clients. I was actually just in a client meeting this morning where 
I was just overthinking something. We're relaunching their e-commerce website. And I was just thinking up through all these nitty gritty things. And he finally just looked at me and he was like, you are hilarious. I mean, you're going to make sure that I'm never going to miss a sale, but you are just like going way above and beyond what you're even hired to do here. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't help it. So, you know, it's like those critical thinking skills really started coming into play as I was having to exercise them day in and day out. You know, if, when I was just shutting off that part of my brain at the custom publishing firm, um, you know, I would have really never been prepared for the interactions I have to have today with clients. And, and, you know, and it's clients that are coming to me with anything from a, Hey, I need this specific thing done by next Monday to, Hey, I really would love to see my business grow. And I would like to, you know, have my revenue be X, like, how can I get there? You know? So, and I get the gamut. So I have to be able to think critically and I have to be able to strategize with them from the ground up. Yeah, I love that. Um, you mentioned something there, just kind of the differences between being a hired hand and uh, being a partner that I'd, I'd love to come back to here in a, just a second. I don't want to miss that. But um, walk us through a little bit of how, as you kind of approach the decision to to flip the switch on the freelance being the the primary role and what what that was like, maybe what the precipice of that was or, or um, the challenges that, that you expected or didn't expect. Well, full disclosure, you know, I really approached the actual pulling of the plug because I, I was in a role that I didn't really feel like fit me as well as I thought it would. So I, I always was planning on eventually, hopefully kind of doing my own thing, being my own boss, kind of running this business. But I don't think I thought I was quite ready, but I would love to talk to people who thought they were ready. You know, I think it, you kind of have to be pushed to the level, pushed to the edge of the cliff. In, in order to jump. And I feel like by transitioning from the girls to the boys school, um, you know, I was kind of given this picture of what it was going to be. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do it for about two years and then maybe discuss the next thing. Or maybe I'll, there was a lot of room for growth really in this position. And, but it, it wasn't until I saw, you know, what I was doing, which was a little bit more entry level than I was told it was going to be in some regards. And then really I think it was being pushed to that point of I'm choosing to be here. You know, I'm choosing to be here and I have other options. What are you waiting for? You know, and and I remember talking to a really good friend of mine who is just an amazing visionary and a go-getter and she has her own business and and she just said, you know, what what can I do to support you to envision what it looks like to walk in there? and give your notice and leave. Like, what is it going to take for you to do that? And I was like, oh my gosh, it's that simple. You're right. Like I am the only person standing in my way of doing it. I mean, I'm very grateful that I have, you know, we're a dual income household. My husband is, you know, has a successful career, but I've never been the type to just want to ride on that. So I still had a lot of pressure to, to contribute and, and make my own money and, and advance my career. So it wasn't necessarily about the you know, it wasn't the financial piece I was as worried about. I think it was just the overall fear of, can I really do this? Like, is this really possible? Um, so of course there was doubts and fears. And even with the, 
you know, the financial stress being slightly alleviated because obviously I wasn't afraid if I had a bad month, I was going to be homeless. But I mean, even with that, I was still scared. So by all means, like I just commend people so much who, especially on their, on their very own or have, you know, a house full of kids at home, you know, we don't have kids yet. So I just felt like now is the time. And I actually even remember your wife, Rob, she was a huge proponent. I mean, I ran into her one day at home goods and she was like, I think I was actually asking her about real estate because I was that I was kind of getting that miserable at what I was doing. And she was just like, Amy, why would you start over in real estate when you have a very viable career at your fingertips? You just have to commit to doing it. And it was just conversations like that, that you know how that goes. Like you start having these conversations that feel like, wow, okay, these aren't just coincidence. Like this is all leading to something. And, um, and it, and it really was just that, you know, I had to jump off the cliff. I had to do it. I had to try it. And, um, I just told myself, Amy, you can't be afraid to fail. Like if you jump off the cliff and you hit rock bottom and it doesn't work out worst case scenario, you'll get a job. Like you'll have to get a job. It'll be fine. Even if you have to get a job at Starbucks for a few months while you keep searching for a job in your industry again, it'll be okay. You know? So I think it was kind of that I had to really humble myself enough to say, it's a very high possibility I will fail. And even at failure status, I will still be okay. So then why wouldn't I do it? Yeah. I think that, um, you alluded to that the pain of change versus the pain of same is, is that balance that, that I struggled with. And that a lot of people do because you know, the pain of same, like you're, you're working that job that you don't like, you know, how bad it sucks. You just don't know what that next step looks like. And and when you can kind of envision that and say like, okay, well, this is what it looks like, even at its worst, then I can, you know, if I can live with that, then I can live with anything in between, um, which is more than likely where you're, where you're going to be anyways. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, it's not like I had a, an abundance of clients, like knocking down my door as I was deciding to give my notice. I mean, I didn't, I, I mean, I had kind of my here and there clients, but I was like, okay, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to drum up some things. And I did, I, I, um, you know, I put my notice in, let's see, September of last year. So it's been about, you know, a year since I really kind of committed to, okay, this is my new future. And at that time, it was like, as soon as I put my notice in, man, it was like the universe just knew. And it just threw me all sorts of great projects and good work and good connections. And I mean, the ball really started rolling and it almost felt like it was without even me doing a ton on my part, it just kind of affirmed my decision into, okay, this is the right move. Like, look at what is unfolding now that I'm going to have more time and have more freedom and have more energy to give to this. Yeah. I, I experienced something similar and, you know, I, there's a lot of ways you could attribute that. Um, but I think one of the realities that I've found is that people right now at this moment, maybe in the city that we live in, um, love working with freelancers, you know, it's, uh, there's usually a cost savings there. There's one point of contact. There's transparency. There's accountability that you don't always get with a big agency. And especially in the creative space, which you and I overlap in quite a bit. Um, it just, I, I don't know if that's a, a season, you know, the pendulum sometimes swings between like everyone bringing their creative staff in house versus hiring agencies, you know? And, and so I'm not sure if this is an extension of, of that ebb and flow, or if this is a new, new normal in the gig economy that we all, uh, you know, live in now. Um, so yeah. true. 
That's I heard awesome. you knock on wood while you were saying that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day who's thinking about going on his own. And he was like, how has this worked for, you know, how have you gotten clients? And I was like, well, it's largely been referrals. And he's like, oh, that's awesome. And I was like, yes, but it's also terrifying because I can't, I, like if I needed work, I don't know how to, I don't Rob, know how to scale know. that. <laughs> I'm in the same boat. Trust me. I didn't have a website till like two months ago. I mean, I literally functioned off referrals for the first eight months of my business. I mean, it was just, it's been insane. I mean, but great. You know, I was so thankful for it, but I'm with you and here, you know, it's even more ironic because I preach this whole like brand yourself, market yourself. And then I wasn't even doing it for myself. Yeah. I mean, so many things there we could unpack, but anyways, it's just a crazy world for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. So one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on is because Sarah and I have both taken a path and often talk on the show about a path of finding kind of a freelancer size niche, like like specialized in one particular area. It could be a smaller niche than like an agency would care to go after, but you know, it's a you size business opportunity. You've kind of taken the the opposite approach from my perspective and that you, I feel like have six or seven different gigs that you're constantly like managing and, and keeping in balance. Um, what is that like? Like, uh, I'm thinking, you know, you mentioned graphic design, you mentioned photography and those are somewhat complimentary. Um, you do the spin instructor stuff, you right. sell a skincare line. Right. You, like, I feel like you've got a dozen just like from all of the spectrums. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, yeah. um, I follow you on social and your brand speaks for itself. You oh, know? Well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, that's flattering, but honestly, it's like the bane of my existence because I do constantly question whether I am in the right position to be marketing so many different things or if that is diluting my brand. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, I haven't found the answer to that. What I am doing is I am taking it day to day, just like any other person. And I am seeing how the world responds to it. You know, it's not like I, I feel like I have it all figured out or, um, I am confident that what I'm doing right now is, is really the best way to be doing it. I'm just doing it the best I know how in this moment and trying to take the feedback and take it all with a grain of salt as it comes. So, um, yeah, what I consider is kind of like this, you know, there's a pie, like we all have our, you know, our, our own me shaped businesses, me sized business. And, um, I would say, you know, I, I haven't really thought out these ratios, but let's say like 60% of that pie for me is the marketing creative work. That's kind of what I call it. I mean, people are like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, um, I do marketing and creative work for mainly local companies and, you know, help them with their brand and everything. So when I, when I think about what I do, that is probably the largest part of it. That's definitely where the largest stream of income, you know, is from. Um, so that encompasses social media strategy, um, you know, website, either, especially for smaller companies who just more need like landing pages, splash pages, stuff like that. Like I can definitely be a website support, um, you know, kind of giving them their brand identity, anything from just marketing and promotional materials, and then the photography and videography piece. Um, so that I kind of consider all under one umbrella, but it is hysterical because that was probably just like seven things I just listed right there. So, um, and then about three years ago, I was, I was introduced to a skincare and makeup line out of Santa Monica. That's all free of harmful chemicals and really, um, just wonderful products. And I really just fell in love with the products themselves. And so I started using them and then it, you know, how it goes. I mean, it's given me a really cool firsthand look into the whole direct sales, crazy friends, frenzy going on, you know, in today's world. And I started selling it and it really was because I, I 
I knew in myself that like, say I try a new workout class, I'm the type of person who's going to want to go grab every friend I know and bring them to the workout class with me because I love it. So it was a very natural thing for me to be like, okay, I already love this makeup and skincare. It's a bonus. I would get a, a discount. And then I would be telling people about it anyway. So for me, that was like a no brainer. And it actually became a really awesome stream of income. Like I was very pleasantly surprised. Um, and so that is something that I consider more of a side hustle, I guess, but it's funny. It's like, I'm kind of the typical millennial in the sense that I do have several side hustles. So there's beauty counter, which is phenomenal. I still love the products, but the wonderful thing about beauty counter is there's no sort of, um, quota. There's no sort of like pressure there. I just basically work it when I can, I fit it into my power pockets of time and work it when I can work it. Um, and so that works for me. Um, I don't put a lot of pressure on that one. And then cycle bar, uh, kind of just became an opportunity that was laid in front of me back in the winter. And I've always loved cycling. I taught cycling back in college and I had, I had ridden a, a cycle bar class in Lexington, Kentucky, um, about a year before I heard we were getting one and just loved the brand, loved the class. I mean, literally fell in love with everything about it. Looked into opening a franchise here in Chattanooga actually, and was like a little big for my bridges. Cause of course it was like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. But, um, I, once they opened, I was like, okay, I want to be a part of that. I'm like, shoot, I'll get paid to work out. I love it. Love the sound of it. And I started teaching cycling. So, and for me, what's nice is that all of these things are just more avenues into meeting more people. You know, I have some people in my life who very much challenge me and challenge what I'm doing. And they say, look, you seem like you are all over the place. Like when I look at, you know, I had a very close friend and someone who I'd consider a mentor in my life tell me, you know, when I look at your Instagram, it looks like you sell me, you could sell me a lipstick and you work out all the time. Like that's kind of what it looks like you do. And then I've had other people tell me like, oh my gosh, your Instagram and your social media is so interesting and so awesome because you're just always on, on the go. You're always doing something different. Like you're, you're never a dull moment. Like you just never know what Amy's going to be into next, you know? And so I feel like I try to take both to heart because in one hand, I do very much respect the fact that like, if we don't kind of home in on one, one craft, like we're kind of, uh, maybe just doing several at a mediocre level, but on my, on the flip side, I very much am a firm believer in, I, I do feel like I can have it all and do it all, you know, and I want to be able to exercise all because it's not that I want to be able to do it all for some stature. It's that. I want to be able to do it all because I love it all because I'm passionate about it all. And when you take any piece of what I'm doing out of my life and I've tried that, I've, I've given that a shot and I've seen how that goes. Or I even kind of get PTSD going back to like that first job at the custom publishing firm where, you know, I, I'm left feeling kind of empty and unrewarded because I'm, I'm leaving some of my passions behind. So it's definitely a learning process, Rob. I mean, it's not at all like I, I, again, I mean, I'm definitely just taking it one day at a time and I'm trial and error. I feel like a lot of time and I just, I, but I like to be transparent about that. You know, I don't want to act like I have it all figured out. And, um, I, I hope that other people out there are kind of in the same boat and I'm willing to learn from them and vice versa. And it can be kind of a good community builder in a way. So you mentioned one struggle that I have too, and then kind of on a different realm, like you mentioned how all, all the different interests and how that, uh, uh, affects your personal brand. And for you, it's, it's a few different gigs. I struggle with the same thing, even though I'm just doing digital marketing for e-commerce companies and app developers, you know, 
it, in that like I Twitter's my social media network of choice and and I will spend you know I'll tweet a lot about digital marketing and tech and whatever and that's all kind of in the same realm but I also spend a tremendous amount of time talking about sports and other stuff that I'm like, do like, you know, the people that follow me for Google ads don't care about the Vols or the Steelers or whatever. And so I, I have that same concern and I'm like, well, I want to be authentic because that's who I am. And some people do follow me for those reasons. And, but then at the same time, like, I don't want to be this schmuck of a, of a quote unquote influencer where I'm, I'm just pumping my own agenda the whole time. And like, it's, it's such a fine line between those two things I find. I, like, no, no matter which one I'm doing, I feel critical of myself that I'm either being, you know, this this wannabe influencer or I'm or I'm not on brand. You right. know, I'm not oh, being I consistent. Totally get that. I had so many people ask me, like, okay, so you're blogging now? And, like, as soon as I, like, really started, like, you know, I went out on my own. I started – that was the first thing I did is I really just started picking up my – my engagement on mainly Instagram. That is my, you know, avenue of choice. And I just had so many people been like, Oh, I didn't know you were trying to blog. And I'm like, okay, I don't write a blog. I'm not a blogger. Like I don't, it's like this whole big stereotype of like influencer, blogger, blogger. And not that that's a bad thing. I am personal friends with successful, amazing, incredible people who blog and actually have a huge circle of influence. And, um, but I think, you know, to your point, it's the authenticity that I think draws people to other people. You know, I think if you are just trying to push your own agenda the whole time, I mean, you say, oh, my clients who are following me for digital marketing stuff don't care about the Vols. Well, they probably care about some sports team and they probably like to see that you are human and you do spend your weekends watching a game or, you know, going shopping for your new home or whatever it is, like hanging out with your family. Like, I think all those things make us human. And as long as we're willing to acknowledge that, I mean, even in, you know, how Instagram goes on Instagram stories or whatever. I mean, I talk about that stuff sometimes because it is what consumes my thoughts. And most likely if it's consuming my thoughts and I'm worried about appearing a certain way or kind of feel icky about, uh, I'm not afraid to make fun of myself or like call myself out, you know? And I think that is what the world needs more of is just let's be human. No one person is focusing on digital marketing 24 seven, you know, around the clock without ever thinking of anything else, you know? So I think that almost becomes more intimidating than, you know, maybe diluting, like risking diluting your brand a little bit, I think, but that's my take for sure. No, I'm with you. And I, I tell clients it's, you know, you, you alluded to this earlier, plumbers always have the worst pipes. Right. And, and I often tell my clients that the, the business that's most human, the brand that's most human is the one that wins in this world full of, you know, online nonsense. And even for myself, then it's, it's, I still struggle with whatever, finding whatever that balance is, you know, whatever, wh what is authentic in, in today's world. Um, well, um, so for you now, you alluded to some of the, the, the challenges of having several different gigs and finding a balance there. What, what ideally does, does the future look like? I mean, what, what direction are you aiming for and how are you trying to approach business in, you know, uh, 2025? Yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So I would say, honestly, that is my weakest, that's my weakest link when it comes to business and entrepreneurship in general. And I know it, it is a big weak link to have is goal setting. Um, I am such a people person and I thrive off you know, human interaction and, and the go, go, go and the hustle bustle that I get really caught up in the day to day. And I think, um, 
really and honestly, by 2025, I just want to be more of a forecaster and like more of a visionary for myself. I do it really well for clients and, and I do it really well, you know, in partnership with brands. But, you know, for me personally, when I'm happy with my day to day, I'm not as much worrying about what's coming next. But I do definitely believe that unless we have that carrot hanging out there that we are, you know, chasing to some extent, not in any sort of like rampant, um, you know, unhealthy way. But if we don't kind of have those visions and dreams and goals down the road, you know, are we just going to kind of always feel unfulfilled? And there is definitely part of me who, you know, as full and wonderful as my week in and week out look, I have questioned whether, wow, is this really it? Like, have I arrived? I think I just spent, you know, the first 10 years of my career kind of just thinking and dreaming of what it would look like to then work for myself and run my own business. And then once you arrive, you're kind of like, huh, like I'm 29 years old. Like, is this it? Is this what this looks like? You know? So I just need to be better at, you know, casting visions and setting goals and, um, you know, knowing where I'm heading. I think I'm, I'm very blessed to have a husband that tries to keep me to that. And he's much better at that kind of stuff. So as far as just like keeping me honest and kind of keeping me focused, um, without holding me back is just a great quality to find in any sort of partner. Um, but I, I do, I have some business ideas and some endeavors that swirl and that I have in mind. Um, but I, I think it's always just that, but how do you get there? There's always like that big black hole of like, okay, the idea is there. I think it all makes sense. I think it could be really successful, but like actually pulling the trigger and doing it. And I think what I have and what you have and what probably a lot of people that listen to this podcast have is they already have put it into practice once. Like we've already quit a job and we've already started something new and we've already like taken the plunge once. Let's just use muscle memory and put it on repeat. You know, like how can we then gather up all that courage and gather up all that stamina and all that energy to just do it again, because it doesn't have to be, this is where we stop. Like, you know, I think when I put all this kind of pressure on myself, like, Oh, I'm not a very good goal setter. Well, you know, by 29, I've reached the goal. I thought I would have that this was my end all be all. So it's okay. This doesn't have to be my forever. Like I now just need to set a new set of goals and then chase that. Um, so that's kind of where I am. And I, I've really tried to give myself grace this year because I'm like, okay, I need to see all four seasons of working for myself. You know, the summer slowed down for me. And I talked to a lot of other business owners who were like, oh my gosh, yeah, we should have warned you summer can be slow, you know, but now I know, you know, I know going into next year, like summer will be my planning and my vision casting time rather than me like panicking, wondering if I'm doing the right thing time. <laughs> because now that even the like hint of fall has glistened in the air, even amongst the 98 degree weather. I mean, my business is super picking back up. So, um, I don't know. I hope that wasn't too roundabout of an answer, but to be honest, I don't have a very clear vision, but I do know that's on the top of my priority list to start, to start crafting that vision. I think I was just kind of giving myself that first full year of feeling out what this community needs, what my partners are looking for, where I feel like I thrive because I've definitely hit some rock bottoms with clients, you know, and there's been some times where I've been like, okay, I don't think I need to offer that anymore. You know, I mean, you definitely kind of live and you learn. And so I'm, I'm starting to just weed out what it is I want to actually be offering and where I feel like my time is best spent for myself and for the client. 
Yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, the notion that the hardest part of this is what you mentioned earlier, walking in there and giving in your notice. Like if you can uh, overcome that challenge, which is a huge challenge, um, then all of a sudden reinventing yourself over and over and over becomes a whole lot easier because you you know what it looks like on the other side of that uh, kind of amorphous uh uh, scary pit. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, that's awesome. I, I appreciate that and appreciate your honesty on a, on a lot of these fronts. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, as freelancers, that's, it's becoming more common just to even, you know, person by person that I meet that's doing this or considering this, but it's, it's real and individual and unique to each, each one, you know, we each have a certain situation and a certain set of circumstances that we're trying to cobble together something that works long-term. And, and I, I worry the same thing. I mean, like, uh, I, not a week goes by that I don't wonder about the, if, if Google ads is becoming irrelevant, you know, and I mean, it, that's what makes like 97% of Google's revenue. So if it becomes irrelevant, it's a huge problem, but exactly. it still keeps me out. But it um, is, it's an ever changing world. I mean, I, you know, you heard for years, like prints a dying, you know, prints a dying industry and, da, 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 and it's like print is still very alive and well, you know, but, but we are changing fast. I mean, with all the effort, a lot of people put into say Instagram, you know, is Instagram even going to be relevant in five years, 10 years? I mean, it's, it is scary. Yeah. And it's ownership by Facebook is probably going to send it the way of Facebook. Unfortunately, right. I it, know. it's a platform I love so much, uh, two, three years ago. And, yes. and yeah, anyways, it's changed a lot. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thanks for joining us and being honest with our, our crew here. And then, so if folks want to learn more about you or find you on the web, what's a good place they can connect with you? Absolutely. Yeah. So my, um, my Instagram is probably where I'm most active and that's at by Amy Walters, B Y A M Y Walters, um, pretty much how it sounds. And I talk about anything and everything. I mean, I've got my highlights there that kind of go over things that I've done and partnerships and things like that. I am really working on trying to, um, showcase more my, my bigger business, you know, my creative and marketing work on Instagram. It just is a harder thing. I mean, you can probably relate to this, Rob. Uh, I feel like if I post, you know, work or I post a picture of food or I post like my hand on my laptop, like it's going to get like 12 likes, you know? And then the minute you post your face or something people can actually relate to it, it all of a sudden gets just like way more engagement and not that I'm looking for the likes, but the engagement matters. I mean, if you're putting effort into something and it's not even getting seen and it's not clearly what people are looking for, then what's it worth? You know? So, um, definitely still, you know, learning as I go to, but, um, Instagram's a good place. And then I also have my studio by amywalters.com is my live website. And that has kind of some of my favorite portfolio pieces that I've done recently and, you know, ways to contact me and stuff like that. So yeah, I would love anyone to reach out. Awesome. Well, we've got links to all of those in the show notes of this episode, as well as more, um, details about you if folks want. Um, but thanks again for making time for us and, Thank you. Uh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, we'll talk soon. Bye. You can find show notes from this episode at unfederated.studio. And if this podcast has helped you in your journey, say thanks by rating and reviewing the show in Apple Podcasts.